insurance agents from around the world. Hey, guys, this is Scott Howell with the Insurance Guys podcast. Hey, I've got a question for you guys. How many service calls do you get a day? How about a week? How about a month? More importantly, how many of those calls are revenue generating? If not, why are you still taking those calls? The reality is that clients don't want to call their agent for things like documents, billing, service requests. These are considered non-revenue generating activities that can and should be handled with a client experience platform, CXP. The rule of thumb is, can you rely on your technology to fully accomplish the same thing being asked over the phone? If the answer is yes, give the client that option, please. Now is the time to look into a CXP for your agency, a client experience platform. A CXP is a core system at your agency, just like your AMS, just like your CRM, just like your Raider. Having a client experience platform like Glovebox gives you a leg up on the competition and allows you to focus on sales, which we better all be focusing on because nothing else matters, and high-level service. Get a demo today with one of the Glovebox gurus and mention the Insurance Guys podcast to get 20% off your new CXP. Trust me when I say it's time to jump on the Glovebox platform. I know we've done it here in our agency. We love it. We're desperately trying to get all of our clients on the Glovebox platform, guys. Desperately. We want them on there. We want them to go get their ID cards there. We want to reduce the number of times they call the agency. And, and that frees us up to do more selling. That's all it does. Call today, get a demo, and join Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. Powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarahland, Alabama, parade first team, All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome. The incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I know we're not supposed to do this because this episode's going to air after we record, but today is my favorite holiday, so I'm I'm really good. Tell our audience today, Bradley, what is happening approximately one and a half blocks away from your office right now. And I've been there. I know exactly where we're talking about. Probably the largest St. Patty's street party in Alabama, if not the southeast. I would agree with that. Yeah, so, we've got a parade today. We've got a legitimate concert happening right down the street from my office. And nobody in my office wore green, so I'm not letting anybody go. There you go. <laughs> Guys, Bradley Flowers, where he is sitting right now in Mobile, Alabama, if you walked out his door and you walked for, I don't know, a minute and a half, maybe. Probably two, 200 yards. Yeah. 300 yards, you, maybe. You would be yards. at one of the oldest landmarks in mobile in terms of bars and restaurants what's it called bradley o callahan's callahan's i was going to call it o callahan's 
Callahan's is one of those places, you know, every city has those places where you just walk in the door and you go, oh yeah, this place has been here a long time. And the pictures on the walls of the performers, I mean, it's, uh, it's a who's who. It's kind of like walking into like a rock and roll hall of fame to see all the pictures of all the the artists that mm-hmm. have performed there. It's, it's a lot of, you get some big acts and then you also get some acts like right before they make it big, they'll, Correct. you know, they'll play and then they'll explode. You know, the Alabama shakes is a good example. They used yeah. to frequent there and they won a Grammy and all that kind of stuff. And still, I think right. still come back some, right. um, but no, it's a cool place. So, so that's Bradley. A, the first cat, the first St. Patrick street party in two years. So it's going to be a little, little nuts around here. Not as nuts as Mardi Gras, but close Bradley. Yo, ask me how I'm doing today. How are you doing? Best I've ever been. I, I am full of gratitude. I am full of thankfulness today. This last week, the sun has started coming out a little bit. We're getting up into that 70 degree weather type situation. And I'm a better person in warm weather. I really, I really yeah. am. I need to be living yeah. south of where I am right Scottsdale now. Or yeah. Yeah. San Diego. Orange Beach, the the Florida Keys, somewhere I like that. Beach. I wouldn't go down here. I, I tell you what, I have had so much thoughtful, not thoughtfulness, but gratitude lately about just, I don't know. I've just felt a lot of gratitude about the people I've surrounded myself with, the people in this industry, the team that we've built over here. I I just, uh, man, I feel a lot of gratitude. And I think part of that is springtime's here and it's warming up and, and all that good stuff. Now, Bradley, remember this. We're about to have tornado season starting April. April, the month of April in Alabama is our big long track tornado season. So I will be more grateful if we can get through that without any major tornado outbreaks. Yeah, it's getting about that time where you look at the weatherman every single day. <laughs> That's right. So before we introduce our rock star guest today, who's going to help you and I buy our island down in the Caribbean and ride jet skis and unicorns, Tell everybody on this podcast today, I love bragging on people. Tell everybody today, Oculus Golf, <laughs> Oculus Golf, tell our, tell our listening audience of 36,000 insurance agency owners where you're ranked in Oculus Golf right now, Bradley. So I'll add a little bit of context for the sake of time. I'll be fast. So there's a golf game called Golf Plus. If any of you guys play it, on oculus feel free to look me up my my username is bradley fl and i think the the f is capitalized i don't know if that matters but it's a golf game and i mean it's it's pretty easy but if you know how to play golf it you do have a little bit of a slight advantage but so i have a i have a six month old as a lot of you know and uh, my wife my wife and i kind of tag team putting him to sleep now it's more 80 percent her 20 percent me or really 90 10 but but at night she nurses him and kind of gets him to sleep and so i have like 25 minutes to myself and i usually go on there and just whip somebody's ass in golf plus and super competitive and so i was playing it no big deal playing it playing it playing it playing it and you play other people on there and you can hear them talking and you can talk to them and and about a month ago this guy says holy crap this guy's ranked 150th in the world and i'm like oh we have world rankings on here so i looked and my world ranking was 150 in the world out of like two million people so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So now my competitive kicked in. And I'm like, all right, now I got to I gotta try to improve this. So I've worked my way up to uh, fourth in the world on Golf Plus. 
in the world. <laughs> and uh, and I'm trying to get to number one. And when I get to number one, then I'm just going to start playing for fun again. But I do have a little ways to go because it's based on handicap. My handicap is a plus 21. And the number one guy is a plus 26. That's a, that's a significant, like, I'm going to have to have a lot of rounds to make that up. Um, but we'll see. It's a lot of fun. So, anyway. If anybody would like to send me their cash app and play though, we can, uh, we can arrange that <laughs> step up and yeah, I'm not I... a gamer. I would like to, I am not a gamer. I can list the, the video games I've played in my life on one hand. I bought the Oculus for a lot of the reasons we're going to talk about today to just get, you know, used to this metaverse VR world. And I discovered that game and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. So that's, that's kind of the reason I do it. So it's, it's unbelievable. When I put that, those Oculus goggles on. I, I'm like kid at Disney World. I was it's on the Scott and I played it. Scott played it for the first time with me, and I was on the floor laughing at him because he was just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, this is the best thing ever! Oh my lord, I feel like I'm at a golf course." I did. I felt like I was at a real <laughs> was golf so course. I was it like, was... "This is unbelievable." Yeah, that's all I kept saying. This is unbelievable, guys. We've got a guest on today that's going to help me buy a helicopter, a Bell helicopter, a island in the caribbean and a 200 foot yacht so i've got to bring him on because he's going to help me do all those things today and i think he can help us row the boat just a little bit closer to the lighthouse for you guys today and this this is going to be some really interesting topics that we talk about so without further ado please allow me to give him the introduction that he's always deserved he currently resides in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, and he is also married to the beautiful Abby. He is a graduate of North Carolina Wilmington and the Hartford School of Insurance, and he serves as the Director of Innovation and Strategy for IMA Financial, overseeing IMA's national focus on technology, life science, advanced manufacturing, and digital risk verticals. He has also worked with IMA's InsureTech Strategy and Investments, including their partnership with Broker Tech Ventures. He has designed complex insurance and risk management programs for some of the most sophisticated and diverse tech businesses in the country. He's been featured in multiple national publications, including NPR's All Things Considered and many, many more. And he also holds a CPCU and CIC designation, among others. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Garrett Droge. How are you, Garrett? Doing well. Scott Bradley, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here, Garrett. I really appreciate you being on the show today. We have got a lot to cover today, and this is right down Bradley Flowers Alley. I don't even know where to start because some of the stuff you're doing right now in the insurance industry is a little mind-blowing. It's kind of like playing Oculus Golf for me. So let's just start with the start. Tell us in a couple of minutes, climb in my DeLorean with me and tell me how you got into the insurance space and kind of what are some of the cool things that you're focused on right now? Yeah, you bet. Um, like the, the Back to the Future reference, by the way. So I like many people, I did not plan on being in the insurance industry. Sort of fell in my lap. I got a weird background. We don't have enough time today to, to cover it. Uh, I spent time in the entertainment industry. I spent time in the tech industry. And when we decided to get serious and have a family, we moved back to the East Coast. And that's when insurance was 
was delivered to me. And so I've been in 17 years in the industry. I've spent the whole time focused on the weird stuff, the stuff that interests me, things like tech, uh, life science. And uh, I've been investing in in cryptocurrency since 2014. So as soon as that became something you could insure, that was that was right in my my lane. So there you go. 30,000 foot. Garrett, one of the things that stood out to me in your bio and just just kind of reading through and you've done so much. It was very difficult for me to read your bio because there's so much in it. I mean, you've done so many things. You have a resume of success, but the things that jumped out to me that I felt like these insurance agents would would really want to hear more about. So one is that you guys are are starting the process of figuring out, and you may even already be doing this, but insuring digital assets. And I think yeah. for these agents, if they're like me, I barely scratched the ninth grade. So you have to kind of dumb things down for me. But talk a little bit about what you guys are doing right now from just a development standpoint and looking into, uh, and maybe you've already started uh, insuring digital assets, cryptocurrency, NFTs. Talk a little bit about that. I find that wildly interesting. Yeah, sort of. We just went down the rabbit hole with crypto. Uh, we have a lot of clients that are in the space. And for us, I'm, I'm a big proponent of specializing. So if you're going to do something, really dig in, do your research and become an active participant in that world, like whatever it is, whatever your interest is. If it's golf, you want to insure golf courses, you better know how they operate, right? Sure. So for, for us, we're, we're working with you know, large publicly traded crypto mining companies and, and people that are in the blockchain space. Um, so pretty critical for us to, to have our hands dirty in that ecosystem. And so we had the idea and, and thankfully, we got a really forward thinking CEO that he allowed us to pitch him the idea of buying land in the metaverse, right? And if you're not familiar, the metaverse, it, it's not just one thing. It's, you know, Oculus and Facebook meta have their own metaverse. There's a couple of others that are pretty prominent. There's Decentraland, which is where our property is. There's Sandbox, several others. And you can buy property in that, which is essentially just an IP address that you buy. You can develop it however you want to. You know, I think Miller's got a, a bar that you can go to in Decentraland, hang out, have conversations. You know, you may have seen JP Morgan Chase just announced they bought a place in the metaverse to talk about financial strategy and investments. So you can just go hang out in the lounge, talk about finance with people. There's really no rules for what you can do in that space. So for us, we wanted to be the first to actually have physical digital property in the metaverse and open the first insurance risk management facility in Decentraland. It's hard to uh, try and delegitimize or say that this stuff is not legitimate when you see Miller Lite and JP Morgan participating. And it could mean that they're just dipping their toe in the water in case it turns, you know, it could be that they don't believe in it, but they just dip in it. But that's still enough to me, enough validity to say, hey, because they're paying attention to it, anyone who owns a small business or even anyone who doesn't own a small business needs to pay attention to it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, JP Morgan Chase actually wrote a good white paper that you can find um, about why every business needs to be thinking exactly like that. Like, I think nobody, anybody saying they got everything figured out about the metaverse is lying or selling yeah. something. 
right? Yeah. We, we certainly it's don't. probably the second one. Yeah. Or it's yeah. both. It's both. Right. Hey, Garrett, right. Hey, Garrett I, I am just like 36,000 insurance agents that are listening to this right now. Okay. And here, and I channel all my questions through them. I am their medium that gets <laughs> to you. And they put questions in my head. So as Scott Howell's 50 years old, and I, I don't even, I don't even act like I know a lot about all of this, but one of the questions I had relative to the metaverse is let's say Scott and Bradley through rocket fuel LLC, which is our LLC that we have for the insurance guys podcast. Let's say we want to go buy a space on the metaverse. And one of the two digital places that you just mentioned what, what what were the two that you mentioned that you, you guys are a member of and the other one well we're part of decentraland, decentraland. there's also sandbox okay so bradley and i do, would we buy an acre could we buy an acre of land like you would walk out here and get in your car and go look for land or how does that work because i don't even understanding that there are different plots of land that you can buy and okay. the closer you are to the main town square Sure. Uh, and there's multiple, right? So it is right. just like real estate, right? Yeah. So the closer you are to stuff that people want to go frequent, uh, the, the more expensive the land's going to be. Right. And you can buy just one plot of land. You can buy four of them combined. And the, the more land you have, the bigger the facility you can buy. There are, there are limitations to what you can put on your land. So you have to you know, conform just like, just like buying a, a lot in a uh, a neighborhood, right? The homeowners association is going to say you can only build this amount of house here. That's the same thing with Decentraland. So you can okay. only buy. Okay. Let's stop right there. Bradley and I have decided on this podcast today, we want to build, we want to buy a one acre plot of land and we want to build a podcast studio for podcasters two miles outside of the city center. How much am I looking at paying for that? Just ballpark. So so you uh, you have to transact in cryptocurrency, right? Sure, so right. you you have to, you have to convert your dollars into mana if you're in Decentraland. No right? problem. Okay, there's not miles distance, but let's just say you are a couple blocks off the main okay. mall. You're probably looking at today probably fifteen to twenty k. Okay, but that and that just gets me the property. And then he and I have to, I guess, buy or I don't know how this works, but to get the facility up in that particular spot to allow others that come in, other businesses to come in and they would pay us to come in and podcast in our studio. Yeah, I love that idea. I think you should do it. I um, love, I'm full of great ideas. I'm full <laughs> of great ideas. Talk, talk about uh, Web3 Labs, what that is, you know, the fact that you guys have one of the largest crypto books in the country, uh, or probably the largest, um, and then talk a little bit about the Institute's Risk, Risk Stream Collaborative. Yeah. So again, both are, are just saying we're involved at the foundational level in the space. So Web3 Labs is our focus in the metaverse to build an insurance and risk management facility uh, to to figure all things out, what's insurable in, in terms of digital assets. And there are some things that are currently insurable. So if you, if you have a wallet with cryptocurrency in it, that is insurable. So right. if somebody if can that, steal it, people can steal it, it very, or... very easily. They can yeah. steal it. Yeah. 
because a lot we've of, seen a some lot of that recently where people have stolen board apes and stuff and, and that yes. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, you can also insure the NFTs themselves. That's that is something that can be insured. Um, there's different degrees based on whether it's a hot or cold wallet. And we're getting super nerdy. And I see Scott glazing over. On, no, um, I'm, I'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking about I'm thinking about questions like his mind is racing they, on the opportunity is what's happening. Are, are, are they are they able to steal a crypto wallet because the actual wallet is not on the blockchain? Is that the reason why they're able to do that? Because the whole purpose of the blockchain was you can't it's almost zero chance you could ever get a hold of anything. Yeah, it's and, usually. Uh, so think of it like social engineering. I mean, that's the main way people get rugged is they connect their wallet to something that they shouldn't, right? right? Or the exchange that the wallet is sitting on itself is hacked. So that's that true. happens too. So you, you probably saw crypto.com had a major breach uh, where you know millions of dollars was stolen. It wasn't their millions. It was clients of crypto.com. Wow. Uh, and so- you know, it could happen either way, but the vast majority of what I see is people connecting their wallet to something they think is, you know, they're going to get a free NFT or some, you know, hey, I'll trade you this NFT for that one. And somebody just drains their wallet. The problematic thing about what you just said is the whole thing about the blockchain, which people kind of lump cryptocurrency and NFTs and everything into the blockchain. But their whole thing was you cannot get this stuff. Well, it's the blockchain is more proving ownership, not necessarily keeping you from stealing. It just proves who owns it. I understand that. But, but with the common person out there, when they see these stories of crypto.com got hacked and then, then then they're like, well, this see y'all are, this is all a bunch of bullshit because you said that, there's no way any of this could happen. And now it's happening. We actually had a friend of ours post something on a Facebook group with Bradley and I in it. Like, well, here you go, guys. Y'all are all up on crypto. Well, look at this. This They got hacked. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It almost delegitimizes it to some degree, even so, if it's so do banks, though. Oh, well, so do hospitals. So, do, you know, like I almost equate it, Garrett. I would bet you the majority of crypto hacks or hacking events are somehow related to someone doing something they're not supposed to. And here's yeah. my analogy for that. And some of our uh, more seasoned listeners are probably going to be mad at me for saying this, but it's kind of like when you, every day you get on Facebook and you see another one of your friends that say, Hey, don't accept a friend request from me. I was hacked. And it's always, almost always, always, always somebody who's a little bit older. <laughs> it's because they punch their profile info in to figure out what kind of vegetable they were going to be. And it, and it's it's like it's and, and what it is is it's like it's folks that aren't aren't quite as versed in that. It's kind of the same thing with crypto. It's like people they look at something that looks legitimate. Okay, let's do this. I'm gonna connect my wallet to this. Oh, I was not supposed to do that. Hundred percent. What it is, and I, I think it's more of just human error. And and I and I do think you know I mean obviously that these social platforms and online things improved. You know. In 1999, no one would ever believe that anyone would ever enter their credit card information on a website, and now everybody does it because it's gotten more secure. So I think these things will improve, don't you think so, Scott? Absolutely. And and you know, Bradley and I had a podcast at the One City World Tour where we talked about the insurance industry and how 
NFT, not so much cryptocurrency, because I think he and I both agree that that's probably outside the purview of insurance. It's so up and down, up and down. And, you know, right now it's down a little. It's, I think, 40,000 this morning, something like that. But we do feel like the technology, the blockchain and the smart contracts that can be attached to an NFT will Mm-hmm. in some ways revolutionized the insurance industry. Would you agree with that, Garrett? 100%. Yeah. And so Bradley, you asked me earlier about our involvement with RiskStream Collaborative, which is uh, the institutes who produces you know, CPCU and ARM designations. They started this a few years ago. And it's, it's about making the blockchain for the insurance industry. So it's, it is making sure we're all operating on the same framework so that you know, we don't have a, uh, an AIG blockchain and a Chubb blockchain. And, you know, right. it's it, so everybody is, is, is basically got the same set of rules. And then we can apply those rules to, you know, think about certificates of insurance, right? Like that's a no brainer, right? right? Do you have this coverage today at this exact moment? Yes or no. And you blockchain can tell you that. Blockchain, right. Yeah. But I, I can, I can trick a, a contractor into thinking that I got insurance because I bought it yesterday and then I canceled it two hours later. I got my certificate. It says I got it, right? Yeah. You can't do that with blockchain. Or you can have people right. forge certificates like what happened to me not too long ago. So not, not, saying, not at my agency customer. but So I've been saying this for a year. The company or person that figures out how to create a blockchain for the insurance industry that is standardized and everybody's using it is going to be Oprah Winfrey rich because all the carriers will be on that mm-hmm. together. It'll be one, it'll be one decentralized blockchain that all, everybody's using. And like you said, there's going to be that timestamp of when things well, were on put on the blockchain. And that's interesting because if you think about it to like how care, you know, you have this carrier running on this technology and this one's on Guidewire and this one's on this one and this one's on this one. And then that creates a, a, a crap show on the agent's end because everybody does it a little bit differently and yeah. you can't convince any of them to do it in one centralized way. So by having, uh, you know, you being kind of first to market with this blockchain, it almost forces them, hey, instead of building our own, let's use this one, which is going to create better experiences on the agent and on the customer side of things. Correct. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's we see that today with every, every carrier has their own technology, their legacy stack that doesn't talk to anybody else's system. No. And that's yeah. that's why we've got we got the mess that we have with with sharing data across different silos. I, I think this is, you know, I, I'm not one to say it's here, it's it's ready. I, I still feel like we're five, maybe yeah. 10 years away from seeing that, it fully deployed, but what, it's coming. But yeah, and, that's and, and don't, and don't scoff at that. If you're listening to this, don't scoff at that because unless you're going to legitimately retire in the next 10 years, you need to be paying attention. Absolutely. So, and, and Bradley and I both have been saying this, and I'll, I'll give Bradley credit because he's the one that said this to me. I asked him pointedly one day, I said, how long is it going to take this stuff to be mainstream? And he said, best guess, 10 years. Personally, I think the name crypto needs to change. I do too. I think there needs to be, uh, you know, I mean, people called social media web too. Now it's, you know what I mean? I think there needs to be a little bit more less mysterious name. What are your thoughts on that, Garrett? Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, it's all about cryptography, which is the, the mathematical equation that the currency is based on. 
but I do agree. It sounds like it's the default cyber insurance graphic with the guy in the hoodie in the dark room with the keyboard where it's like, we could do a better job when we're trying to sell cyber than to, because that's not, that's not the entire ecosystem. Right. Right. I was just going to say, Garrett, the, the, the blockchain, obviously that's coming. It's just going to be some time before that's ready. What I'm more bullish on is the smart contract attached to NFTs. Now that to me is something that might be five years away. Explain to our audience what that smart contract is and how it could change the industry. Yeah, I mean, smart contract just at a high level is is the 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 documentation behind the asset that describes the terms of origin, who built it, how did they build it, how can it be transacted. It's it's basically a blueprint for how that particular asset can be applied throughout its life. Um, and you can do a lot of, I don't even think we've scratched the surface on what you can do with smart contracts. I mean, they, they can be self-detonating where they expire at a certain time. So again, think about part things in insurance, right? An insurance policy itself could be a smart contract, instantly verifiable, instantly, you know, we could check a, a smart contract before we engage a subcontractor to make sure the nuance of the coverage is, is how we would design it. So yeah, it's really interesting stuff. And I agree. I think that's, that's here today. I don't think we're five years away. It's being developed right now. But at what point, at what point does the user adoption have to be at in order for us to use that on an every client kind of basis? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's I, I the think piece that I can't quite get past is I'm like, you know, in order to use the smart contract, doesn't the end user on the other side have to have some sort of, t- you know what I mean? Yeah, I follow you. I don't think so. You know, I mean, I think we make the smart contract and it can look a lot like the traditional insurance contract that people know today, but you can apply it with the smart contract technology on the blockchain in tandem. And over time, people will, they'll start using the technology version rather than the PDF that's not unlike anything else in the insurance industry. When I first got in, it was like a certificate of insurance had to be printed and mailed to the cert holder. You know, that was 15 years ago, you know, and now people are perfectly comfortable getting an electronic copy. So I, I think adoption's always the, the, the barrier. Yeah. You know? So if someone uh, wants to use this in their agency today, what, what would your rec- recommendation to them be? I think if you want to go down the road of developing your own smart contracts, you're going to have to have a pretty big budget today. You know, it's just like what we talked about with Decentraland. You know, it's fairly cost prohibitive in the early days. And I think that cost will come down just like just like all new technologies. So I'd first I'd first do research. I mean, there's a, a phrase in in NFT world, do your own research, right? Because there's lots of projects out there. Some are good, some are bad, some are complete rug pulls. And I would, I would pay attention to, to what's happening in the space and, you know, figure out at what point it makes sense to get involved directly. I think there's going to be a a whole cottage industry of people, you know, consultants, advisors, lawyers that come up and, and they'll, they'll help you package whatever your idea is, which I think is more practical than, somebody trying to do it all in-house, unless you've got a whole development team that knows how to do this stuff, it's still pretty technical, right? Yeah. But just like 
20 years ago, you wanted to build a website, you had to call a web design firm and it was really, really difficult. Now we've got WordPress, right? Where it's just like click of a button. I can, I can make my website look however I want it. Same, same way here. We'll have little, little packages and kits and, and you'll be able to bolt on, you know, different, different components, however, however you want it designed. Well, it's kind of like, so after we did our NFT project, uh, I, I love to, that, by I the talk, way. I talked to, thank you. I talked to a buddy of mine uh, who's kind of keen on, like, like keeps up with this space, but wasn't too like in it, you know? And I said, what, and, and I'm not doing this. I was just like thinking out loud. I said, what if we create a company that helps other companies do NFT projects? We get a percentage of the, whatever they make, that sort of thing. Right. And he kind of had this like, yeah, that's kind of weird reaction. Like, you know, he didn't necessarily say that. But that was kind of the vibe in the reaction. And I said, okay. I said, let's pretend it's 2010. We're in 2010. And I say that exact same thing, but I take out help businesses with NFT projects and I replace it with help businesses with social media. And he kind of sat back in his chair and I said, your reaction would have been the exact same. 100%. And it was at that moment that, and I, and, I, and I didn't pre come up with that. I like in that conversation, I said, wait a minute, what if, and it was at that moment that my mind just started like, I mean, there's going to be tons of opportunities for people just in that regard of helping other people do it, not necessarily doing the kind of stuff that you guys are doing and trying to revolutionize the space in our industry. Yeah. I mean, th- you mentioned it before, social media is web two, right? The mm-hmm. second iteration of the internet the metaverse is web three. So everything that we learn from web two, I mean, if you told somebody in 2010, you can make six figures being an influencer, working right. with brands, posting pictures on Instagram. That's another People, word that needs to be changed. You'd have agree. to be a whole lot better looking than I am to do it. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm telling you, but you create your own avatar, Scott, in the metaverse. So you can look however you want to look yeah. and you can influence whatever you want. And there, yeah. there are going to be brands that, that put up big money for the people that know how to navigate the space and can reach the audience that they want to reach. Because it's, all, it's mm-hmm. all about attention. Where people's attentions are, that's where the money goes. And in my opinion, too, and this may be a bad take, but, but I believe it. In my opinion, some of the, the big social media agencies, I'm, I'm not going to say the majority of their success, but a, definitely a percentage of their success is speed to market is being one of the first ones to do it, you know? Yeah. So I got a question. So like, I'm currently struggling to find insurance for a lawnmower. I can't get any carrier to take it. I'm, I'm making this up. Great. Because I call the underwriter like, eh, I don't know. or let's do a better example, like a ninja motorcycle. Hey, it goes too fast, da, 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 that, that sort of thing, right? You decide you want to provide insurance for cryptocurrency wallets, insurance for NFTs, all that kind of stuff. How the hell did you just like, get like, what was the reaction from the kids? Because we live in like the industry that we've always done it this way. It's like rampant, right? How did you even like get started? Did you reach out to a carrier? You're trying to create a program? Like what's the, what's the play there? And I want to know how much pushback you got. Yeah. So, you know, this is probably a, a slightly longer in, answer than you That's wanted. Okay. In my former role, I used to run an organization called TechAssure. Right. So it's it's a global trade org of brokers that specialize in technology risk. And because it's a nonprofit, carriers, the marketplace would often come to TechAssure to try and figure out 
a risk they don't understand. So about five years ago, we got approached by several markets out of London to try and help them understand what is this and is it insurable? And if so, how do we do it? And so that was the genesis of my knowledge in the space. And I look at everything from, all right, your example of you got a, you got a motorcycle that's not necessarily desirable. It's still a motorcycle. We know how to ensure that, right? Yep. So we, same thing with like a, a crypto mining operation, right? You, it's basically a data center, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not altogether different than a traditional risk that we have been insuring for several, several years. So for us, it's all about making the argument. Underwriters are not unreasonable. They, they just need a comparison. They need to be able to wrap their arms around what is this thing and yeah. help me understand it in, in terms that I currently understand. So that's the same thing with, with crypto and, and then getting into NFTs. Yeah, six months ago, people were like, this is not a, it's not a legitimate space, right? Then Board Ape happened. Board Ape is now worth more than Victoria's Secret, you know, a, a, a brand that's been around for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And they did it in less than six months. It, it gave legitimate, legitimacy to the space. It's easy to, to set up too. Yeah. It's easy to set it up. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but. No, no. That, so in that sense, you know, you've now got Christie's and Sotheby's, these fine art houses that are trading NFTs, which gives again, legitimacy to the space. So the short answer is, you know, I think it's hard in the early days because it seems like this is far-fetched and this is, this is, I mean, we saw um, some people struggling to wrap their mind around cyber. (laughs) Yeah, correct. But if you were around, I've been around a long time. So I remember when the internet came out and everyone was saying the same thing about the internet, you know, just this will never be something that we can, you're never going to use it for video. You're never going to use it for, for, for transacting, it's just going to be message boards, right? And that's kind of where we are with, with crypto, NFTs, metaverse. And I think it's going to be equally as profound, if not 10 to 100 times more so. Yeah. Garrett, I, I've got the question that every insurance agent listening to this wants to know right now. If some of these younger agents that are listening to this, that, that will be part of this in the future. What are some of the things that they can do on just a informational standpoint of getting ready for one day, either the blockchain coming on board with the insurance industry or the smart contract side of NFTs coming on board? What are some of the things they can do to get ready for that? Again, this is is not knowledge, a sexy answer. Yeah, knowledge. I was, was going to say it, it's um, people don't like this answer because everybody wants like just inject it into my veins and make me better. But right. the reality <laughs> is just do your own research and, and spend time each and every day in the area that you want to specialize or in the area that you think the future of the world is going to, to be. So I look at this and say, this is the future economy. So why would I not spend an hour every day educating myself. And there's, man, on YouTube, you can, you can spend 20 minutes a day and within a month, you're going to know more than 90% of the world today, right? So it's not, it's not insurmountable. It's just, it just requires work. And most people don't, don't want to do that. But I've said I, it before, don't put your fingers in your ears. Yeah. 
you got to explain something else to me while we're on this podcast. And I'm embarrassed to say this. I don't understand what Web 3.0 is. I don't think I understand what that means. Is that just the next iteration of the internet where we've, yeah. we've been in Web 2.0 and now we're... Mm-hmm. But but, but yeah. what what's the difference between Web 2.0 and Web 3.0? It's where where it exists, right? So social media, if you think of it, so the internet was on your computer, right? Mobile phones at that point in time did not have the capability to connect to the internet. And people laughed to think that that was even possible, right? Web 2.0 came out, which largely existed in the mobile environment, right? So you were able to take the internet with you anywhere and everywhere, and you were able to interact with your friends, family, regardless of where they were in the world, on your mobile device, wherever you were. The metaverse is the next iteration of that. And it is the complete digital world that we will all occupy. And what made it real for me was I got a son. He's, he's 14, loves Fortnite video game, obsessed with it. And he and all of his friends will spend every dollar they own on these digital skins, right? They don't benefit you in the game. So it's not like I bought this backpack and suddenly I'm better in the game. It is, I bought this backpack to show off to my friends that I have this backpack, right? It's not clothes and stuff in real life. Yeah. It's not unlike sneakerheads where they buy a pair of Jordans from the 80s for $50,000, where most people go for a pair of used sneakers. What are you doing? But for, for those people, it doesn't matter if you think it's worth investing in, they do. And the fact that he's going to be able to transact that, he's got clothes and dances for this game that he could then sell in a secondary market on the metaverse to other people and make a profit is just, you know, we, I don't think we've even seen, even thought about how important this is going to be to all aspects of our our daily life. Look, we're, we're in a virtual environment here. Think about if we were all sitting in the same virtual room, how much better that experience would be. You, you mentioned the golf, like you can't imagine how it feels like you're really golfing. You know, that's going to be the case for meetings, for education, right? Whether universities and colleges are going to exist in the physical world, or they're going to move to a digital world because you can remove a lot of barriers that way. So are you saying are you saying that in the not too distant future, rather than the three of us being on this Zoom call, you could put on a pair of VR goggles, sit in a chair, and it would be as if the three of us are sitting in a conference room doing this podcast together. Is that what you're saying? Yes. If you if you haven't looked, Apple has a prototype for their VR AR goggles coming out later this year or next year. And they don't look, you know, Oculus, that's what you're imagining, like this huge headset. How practical is that? Well, if it was a sleek little set of glasses, not much bigger than the ones that we're wearing, Mm -hmm. it's no issue at all. I'd slip those on and then suddenly we're able to interact in a physical environment. Right. Yeah. That's a. I don't I don't think we can appreciate how different that's going to be. The fact that you could do that with with people around the world at any time is um, in any location is just kind of fascinating to me. Well, I was telling somebody yesterday, you know, I've got the Oculus and I, like I said, I play it every night, but after about an hour, it gets, it gets hard to wear. It's heavy, even with the extra straps and stuff. 
Um, Sweaty. So, so to me, that's that's super interesting. And, and it, I kind of equate it to like the old Walkmans, you know, like how inconvenient. It, I mean, I remember being a teenager and I had the the disc man with the CD, which was which was a step above the Walkman, right? But I remember it being in my pocket and it didn't quite fit. You know, it was too big and God forbid you step too hard and you skip the CD and now it's going to skip at that moment in the song. You know what I mean? And, and so now we're, you know, who would have ever imagined that I have AirPods in my ears that's Bluetooth to my phone, which comfortably fits in my pocket. And I can say, hey, Siri, call this person or listen. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing. But I heard a, an interesting Web3 analogy that sort of answers Scott's question, too, is that, you know, Web1 was like, you know, the, the initial phase of the Internet, message boards, that sort of thing. Web two was social media where you could actually interact and build relationships and things like that. But the tech companies were the ones that really made all the money. Web three, you own it. You can actually is- own a piece of the Internet. And that to me, that's been the simplest example I've seen. Yeah, 100 percent. I left out that detail. That's that's accurate. So it's decentralized. Right. And it may be that doesn't mean there's no rules. Right. right. They're con- controlled by DAOs and these these governing bodies of the people that own the space. And that's that, that takes the power away from being manipulated as a consumer, being beholden to the tech company that is providing you the experience, the, the tools. And yet we've seen some of the negative effects or a lot of the negative effects of social media in, in how it can manipulate people. It, that's not going to be at least it's going to be much harder to do in web three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you selfishly Garrett. And I've, I've talked to people about this recently. I'm very grateful. I, I'm 50 years old. So you, you fast forward, let's say 20 years when I'm 70, I'm going to be starting to get to that age where I, I can't get on a plane and go to Italy with my wife, because we've kind of reached this point where, it, it's it's hard. I mean, it's literally it it takes so much out of you to get on a plane in Atlanta and fly to Italy and spend a week or two there. Well, instead, you know, I'm going to be able to put on something that's not the Oculus goggle, but it's going to be glasses of some kind, and uh, you know, be in Italy and walking around mm-hmm. on the streets of Italy when I'm you know when I'm 70 years old, and that's pretty cool to think that I'm going to have that opportunity to do that. Yeah. And your grandkids could actually be in Italy taking oh. you along for the journey. And, right. you know, like that's that's the kind of shared experience where mm-hmm. it's going to blend. It doesn't mean everything has to exist in the digital world. It just means the physical world is going to be enhanced by it. Well, and, you know, that was when Facebook launched the uh, the 360 photo, which is where you upload the panoramic and you can you can turn you can turn the screen that was the first iteration of that. My wife attended a demo of Oculus in Atlanta right after Facebook bought them. And that was what they told her is like, you know, you're going to go on vacation and you're going to take these videos or these pictures that are panoramic. We can put them in 360 and then people back home can experience that with you on their VR headset. I attended a, uh, a conference in 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, and do you know Robert Scoble? Robert Scoble is like, he's like the first guy in Silicon Valley that, that talked about AR and VR and he, he, Siri was created in his son's bedroom. Like he's deeply entrenched in Silicon Valley and he gave a presentation on AR and VR. Coincidentally, this was the week 
that Pokemon Go launched was which was the first mainstream augmented reality. And to give some definition for our audience, VR it's a completely virtual world. AR is augmented reality in that you're looking through something at the real world and there's something there that's not really there. Example, Pokemon Go. You hold the phone up and it shows you where the Pokemon is. Anyway, so he showed this video of him demoing something that was similar to the Google Glass. It was not the Google Glass, but it was a pair of of AR goggles or VR goggles. I can't remember. And so it was a, it was two shots, right? So imagine a Zoom meeting, two people in it. The left half was showing what this guy or gal was looking at. And the right half was a, from the side at a perpendicular angle, you see, you see them, right? He says, uh, the, the, the screen that he's looking at, it's a bunch of computer screens and it's scroll, scroll, scroll. Just imagine on your computer, scroll, 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 left, 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 right, 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 right. You know, like tab, tab, tab. And he said, uh, guess what I'm using to control. And I think it was him in the video. Guess what I'm using to move around these screens. And he said, not really even my eyeballs, my pupils. He's like, based on where I look, it knows I want to go there. And this was, again, this is 2015 and it was in Alabama. So everybody's like, Ooh, you know, uh, but that was a really cool moment that I was like, wow, this is, and then actually someone told me they have a friend of a friend of a friend who works with the Oculus on all day and has, and the reason he does it is he can be more productive because he has 300 screens. He just turns and I'm going to work on this one. And again, I'm going to work on this one. So hey, wow. I'm going to tell y'all what the net, what the most, there will be people spend billions of dollars for this technology and maybe it already exists. You go into the metaverse and you take a picture that you have in a photo album of your grandparents. I'm talking about just an old picture. You pull it out of a photo album. Somehow you're able to take that picture and this technology may already exist. And you scan that picture into your computer and then the met the metaverse somehow through technology allows that person that you haven't seen or spoken to in 20 or 30 years or maybe it's a maybe it's a child that was that was killed suddenly in a car accident or or it could be it could be anybody that that you want to communicate with and now they are in the metaverse with you and you can talk to them they are talking back to you. You're having a conversation. Is that even that we're getting into something now that's getting just, deep. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Is it, is it possible? Yes. Is it ethical? I don't know. Yeah. But I see what I'll, you're I'll saying. Say, I'll say psycho psychological standpoint of, of talking, yeah. feeling like you're really there with them. But think about this. If you could play, if you could aggregate, photo out we take photos and videos sure. of our kids of all experiences time. and then you never go back and look at all of them but think about if you could you could organize them in such a way that you could interact with them in the metaverse right. of going back in time and reliving an experience right and you've got all the photos and the videos that can help make flesh out that world correct that's definitely possible and and, yeah. and people would there's no telling what people would pay for something like that well, you have these you have these apps now with this where you can uh, I think uh TikTok even does it where you can upload a still image and make it say something. You know, there's the one going around right now, Vladimir Putin saying, I mean, is it me? Am I the drama? You know, that's that's going around. So like there, there's stuff like that right now, you know. Yeah. I mean that the deep fake stuff is, you know, if you haven't seen the Tom Cruise deep fake stuff is is terrifying. I mean, it's amazing, amazing technology, but yeah. 
people will figure out how to use it for bad things so inevitably. B- before we close this this podcast out, Garrett, I need you to get with these insurance agents real quick and talk to them for just a minute about what's the one thing if if you were a betting man, what's the one thing that these agents need to do what we said earlier? Jump on some YouTube channels, watch, learn, grow, get ready for this because this is coming to the insurance industry if you were a betting man. I would say think about every industry is going to be a technology-enabled industry. Every industry is going to have tech risks associated with it that they, they might not today. And so whether you want to, Bradley, you said this, unless you're exiting the industry for sure within the next seven years, you, if you're going to advise your clients properly, you need to know how to address their technology risk, not just their traditional risk, whether they're manufacturing, construction. I mean, I can go down any industry and I can point out where we're seeing today their exposure in the tech space. Cyber is you know, the easy example. That's going to bleed into areas where we we don't even know what that looks like today so by by the way i don't mean to interrupt you but yesterday yesterday i had a cyber claim with a a construction contractor called my office need needed to file a first party claim on cyber yeah that's what i'm saying so this world is going to be part of every every one of your portfolios of clients so to be a good broker you got to know how to address a bunch of different risks this is just one you're going to have to figure out as well. Cool. I appreciate you being on the show today. So my, yeah. next, que- my next question is this. If Scott Howell or Aaron Robertson down in San Antonio or Daniel Song out in California or, or Mike Fusco, any, any of these agents listening to this podcast right now, if they decide after they eat a bad piece of pizza one night that they want to create an NFT for their agency or multiple NFTs for that matter, could they reach out to you to help them kind of guide them down that road of how to do that? And if so, what, what, how would they get in touch with you? So the answer is absolutely. I look at every opportunity to have a conversation like this as one that I can, I can learn from as much as I can, I can help benefit. So I'm open always to have a discussion around just thinking through an idea, talking about various ways to apply this. I'm, I'm happy to, to show what we're doing in the space. I mean, it's all going to be out in the open. Anyone's going to be able to visit our space in Decentraland, um, throw out your own ideas, challenge us on the things that we're saying. So probably the easiest way, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, you can Google me and it's pretty, pretty easy to track me down. I'm, I don't hide myself in the digital world very easily. This podcast happened from a, not even a DM, a comment thread where he said something that, that alluded to what they're doing. And I said, yeah, we're going to do a podcast and that's how it happened. So, well, you know, I think as you guys, what, what I'd like to do is maybe a year from now, when you guys have really got this thing dialed in on how you're protecting digital assets from an insurance perspective. Uh, bring you on, talk more in depth on that. I think uh, there's probably still some road that needs to be traveled down. I know you guys are at the tip of the spear, though, of doing that. And uh, kudos to you for being the first to figure that out because uh, there's probably a lot of people like myself that were like, 
man, I see such a white space there for all these people buying all these millions of dollars of digital assets. How do you ensure that stuff? Right. Yep. I yeah. love the idea. We're, well, yeah. Next St. Patrick's day, 2023. We, we got go. a, we got a date. Guys, I appreciate you, Garrett, so much for being on the show today. As I always end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out in the big, bad world and build relationships. Jump on some of these YouTube channels. Find out more about the blockchain and NFTs, smart contracts. We, I think the three of us, feel like that's probably the area that may, may impact the insurance industry in the future. Go make money. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband. Go sell the shit out of insurance so you can put money in your kid's college fund and help your parents out there that are struggling. Figure out what your why is and go out there today and go go live the life that you deserve to live. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Garrett, thank you so much for being here. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we look forward to seeing you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.